You can have a seat. We will begin with our passage this morning, Luke 4. Brother Gilbert will read that for us. And we are talking about habits and the fact that we all have them and that much of what we do during the day is a habit. And just to catch you up, we're talking about the principle that uh, they tell us that 40% of the choices that we make every day are just simply uh, habits. In other words, choices that we don't even make anymore because we made that same choice over and over again. We use the illustration, two pictures. If you're uh, older, we use the picture of a road. That road began with somebody hacking through the weeds and, uh, and the uh, brush and making a path and then others following that path and then eventually it became a trail, became a, a, a walkway. Pretty soon it became a place where the horses and then the, uh, and then the chariot or the carriage would come, and then the automobile. Now it's become a road where many, many thousands go on every day. That's a good picture of choices. When we make a decision and then we repeat that decision, Eventually, we create a well-worn path, a default. This is the direction we go. You got up this morning. You did what you always did. We follow routines, and we don't even really think about them. We don't have to consciously uh, make those choices any longer because it's a well-worn path. Now, that's if you're older. If you're younger, let me use the picture of your iPhone, okay? And that is that... Uh, your phone is made with a level of intelligence that if you write the same thing or write to the same person, your phone figures out who you're trying to write to. And if I start with R-A-Q, my phone says Raquel, you know, or M-A-R, Marcus. And so what it does is it anticipates because it's reading your pattern. It's reading the decisions that you're making over and over again. Uh, they tell us that uh, the internet, one of the things they do in marketing and the internet is they watch where you go on the internet. They watch where you go. If you think that the internet is private, it's not private. And what marketers do is they, they profile you and they say, oh, okay, uh, this guy uh, goes to uh, 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 WorldNet Daily and he goes to michaelsavage.com and all that. So this guy is a right-wing nut. And, uh, and so the next thing you know, they're marketing to you guns and uh, uh, food insurance. And, uh, you know, I'm joking here, okay? So, but uh, in other words, they, they profile you and they say, okay, we're going, to, we're going to keep you going down the road that you seem to want to go down. So this is what happens with a habit. A habit just simply is I'm moving down this road again and again and again. So we know where you're going, and there you are. And so uh, uh, our text, go ahead and read that, Gilbert, this morning. And he came to Nazareth, for he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the <coughs> Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Elisha. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, 
to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So we use this as our, as our foundation passage because it illustrates habit in both its good and bad qualities. Habits are not always bad. Habits can be good. We're going to talk about that uh, coming up. But uh, the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, was in the habit of going to synagogue. That This was his custom. This was regular. I, what I've been saying every uh, morning, thank you, is... Uh, that uh, uh, Jesus didn't have to wrestle with the decision to go to synagogue. He didn't go back and forth and pace and hesitate and got to see what else was going on and see. You know, he, this is where he was. It's like the way many of you are here this morning. It, it, the decision having been made again and again and again had made the decision. Uh, not, this wasn't easy. You know, we can say, oh, you only come to church because you're happy to come to church. Or I wish people were in the habit of coming to church. There's nothing wrong with that, that that decision has been made and will be made. And so you can have good habits. Parents need to train their children up in good habits so that when they're older, those habits remain a part of who they are. You're putting conviction. That's why mom and dad teach your kids to love the house of God. Teach your kids to tithe and to honor God with their finances. Teach your kids to have respect. You know, Build these habits in them that will carry them throughout their years, and uh, that would be very, very good. And so we see that. And we see the other side, and that is the, the picture of humanity that's in our text of uh, uh, people that are captive, people that uh, are uh, uh, oppressed, that need to be liberated. And so it's talking about how bad behavior has gripped mankind so that they are now captives. They can't break the habits. They can't uh, 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 find freedom, and they need Jesus to liberate them, which would be a nice way of saying break bad habits and then establish good habits. How many people here who are willing to admit that when you got saved, God has broken some bad habits and replaced them with some good habits? Amen. This is very, very important. I want to just do something, and uh, we're, we're, we're going to move into our subject on craving. Uh, but I, wanted to, I, I thought about this, and I don't, I don't think we did this the other day. I know we talked about it. But I wonder if I could get a testimony or two here this morning, brief testimonies of people who went into the military with bad habits, and because of having gone through boot camp and putting yourself in a regimented uh, system, a bad habit was broken, and to this day, you still carry with it some good habits that you learned in the military. Okay, I see Barbara's hand. Anybody? All the other military people said, nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> All, right. All right, Rick, let up. I loved to sleep as a kid, and all the way through college, I could never get to any place on time. People would tell me, that if they wanted me to be there at 10, they would tell me that it started at 9, and then I would arrive about 10 to 10. I know some people just like that, yeah. I just couldn't break it. I was, I mean, I, I knew that I would be late. I mean, I was, I try, I set three alarm clocks. I mean, I did all those things that people say you have to do. I could not get anywhere on time, and then I went into the military, and uh, you don't have a choice, and they're in your face. You need to be on time, and so in that short period of time, I was able to break that habit, and to this day, I am normally, you can ask Chris, but I am normally 10 minutes early for anything, and I'm a stickler for being on time um, or early, 
And if I show up to like a, a job interview, it's always 15 minutes ahead of time. If I show up to anything, it's usually 15 minutes ahead of time. And it, it, all the way through my life from the time that I was trained in the military to now. Okay, very good. So uh, an old habit broken and replaced by a new habit. Uh, okay, Rick Lennon. Uh, growing up as, you know, as a, a young, young man, I mean, uh, my clothes situation as far as going into the, my drawers and in my closet, you know, it was just kind of a uh, throw it in there and, and however it is, that's the way it is. But military, you're under periodic inspections and, you know, they come and check how everything is folded and everything has to be, your, your hangers in your closet have to be like two finger widths separated and, and your clothes have to be uh, folded a certain way and everything has to be rolled up tight and I mean it has to look perfect, your bunk has to be perfect and everything but uh, I mean carrying that over into adult, I've realized that my shirts have to be hung up the same way, facing the same direction. Uh, my clothes in the drawers have to be folded a certain way and in, in the drawers a certain way that I like. I, and, and, you know, it's like I can't, it bothers me that when, when they're not out, out of sorts that, you know, you got to go back and, and change it. And, you know, just things like that, just minor things like that have, have affected me into, the, into my adult life that, I guess I didn't realize, but I did get that from the military. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. <laughs> I felt some wives right here, you need to go in the military, you know. <laughs> All right. And so the, the, this is the power of habit. You can take a bad one and you can turn it into a positive or to a good one and it can carry us through life. Now. What we are talking about uh, uh, last week is we're talking about the engine of habit, which is craving. Why is it that we can repeat the same thing over and over again, even when we're talking in the context now of bad habits, when we say to ourselves, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, 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 you know, this is wrong, and on and on and on. And yet, having said that, we fall into these habits, we fall into repeating the same thing over and over again. Now, we were in, uh, 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 I'm going to put out a couple of scriptures, 1 Corinthians 11, four, uh, I'm sorry, for, uh, Numbers 11, uh, uh, 4 through 6. Want to read that, Numbers 11, 4 through 6. And I see uh, uh, hands there. Okay, Doris, you get Numbers 11, 4 through 6. And we're going to read that uh, this morning. And then of Greg Johnson, get Proverbs 27, 20. I need John 4, 13. Dan Yoder, uh, Numbers 11, uh, 18 through 20. Hector and Josh Pichardo, Ecclesiastes 2, 9 through 11. Uh, I need Ecclesiastes 5, 10. Ecclesiastes 5, 10. Ecclesiastes, Joe Moreno. And Gino, get Isaiah 55, verse 2. And I need two more. I need Psalms 42, 1 and 2, Bethel Muskis. And then one more, Matthew 5, verse 6, Rand Harris. Okay, so uh, uh, go ahead and read that, uh, Numbers 11. Let's, uh, this is what we looked at last week. Uh, now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to, to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. The, the, 
the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. So we're looking at this subject of craving. So the idea that what causes people to repeat is that habits hold us because we develop a craving for it. The Bible word is lust. Okay? We tend to associate lust with um, you know, sexual things, but it's just the idea of, of craving or longings for something. And those, those longings overwhelm good judgment. And that uh, people many times can have the uh, intelligence to know that this is, there's a wrong behavior, but it's the craving that comes in. So in the story, they have come into the wilderness. God is supernaturally providing manna from heaven. Every morning, six days a week, they're able to go and they're able to retrieve this manna. And uh, it's, it, it, it sounded to me like it tastes pretty good, you know. And uh, they're doing this, but see, lust kicks in, and they began to long for the food that they had in Egypt, and they become discontent with what they have. That's the terrible thing about lust, isn't it? Is that lust can cause you to become discontent with God's provision for your life. Rather than being thankful for the manna from heaven to supply your need and to meet your need, lust is never uh, satisfied, and so it always longs for what is forbidden. This is very powerful. And so I mentioned to you a, a study. They did a little scientific experiment with a monkey named Julio. I'll remind you of it real quickly. They uh, trained this monkey so that whenever it saw a yellow line on a screen, it would hit the screen, and it would trigger... Uh, cranberry juice in a straw and Julio would get a burst of cranberry juice which he loved uh, and so he quickly figured out yellow line cranberry juice yellow line cranberry juice and then uh, what they did is they started removing the juice or diluting the juice so that it, he didn't get the same effect and they had wires connected to his brain and so whenever he tasted cranberry juice the pleasure part of his brain lit up and so he tasted it, and it would light up. So what, when he began to associate the yellow line with the juice, he didn't even need the juice the moment he saw the yellow line. Pleasure. He didn't even have to get the, the, the reward. He just saw the yellow line, the cue, and it created a craving in him just from looking. This thing would go off, and he would begin to anticipate the, the, the juice and then they started removing the juice and not giving him the juice. And what he did, he kept hitting the yellow line over and over again, waiting for this reward that no longer came. But now they had created a craving in him that when he saw the yellow line, because of previous experience, now he wants this and he wants it. And they would take food and they would take things right next to him where he could have just reached down and he could have, but he didn't care. He wanted this. And they realized that that's what, how human beings operate. You create a craving. So here the children of Israel are. They're in the, the wilderness, but this craving over the old food from Egypt is so overwhelming 
if here's God's provision right there next to them, the manna, we don't want this. All this manna before eyes. I'm not satisfied. I don't want this because they're driven by craving. And so this is a uh, terrible thing, terrible thing. I mentioned the other day in a sermon, I'm going to say it again in this context. You know, last night after Fiesta, we're driving down 151, taking a, a, a Pastor uh, uh, Glock uh, back over to his hotel, and they've opened up this new uh, uh, restaurant, and it's just packed with cars, and what they are selling is lust. And it's become acceptable and mainstream. And we rode by there, and Yolanda said, look, this place is packed out. And, I, and, and what is it? It's, the, it's Julio the monkey slapping the screen. That's all it is. And they, they, what they are marketing to is di- this dynamic of creating this craving. And whether it is a, a sexual or it's appetite or it, whatever it is, people lose all sense because there's something in them now that's been lit up by just the possibility so that they lose all good sense. An interesting story I read uh, where there was this, there's a legend where two brothers were vying for the same throne. So one brother had his, uh, the other arrested, placed in a room, and the room had narrow doors. His brother was so obese that he couldn't fit through the doors. And when people complained that you have imprisoned my, your, my, your brother, he said, I have not imprisoned my brother. There are no locks. My brother is free to leave whenever he wants to. So here's this man. And he just can't fit through the door. Everything in him says, you know what I need to do? I just need to chill. I eat as much. That's all, just not eat as much. And I'll, 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 I'll get smaller, and I'll, I'll, I'm free. But good judgment is overruled by lust, by craving, by appetite. And an uncle who was a uh, severe alcoholic, and they came to him, and the doctors, I remember this, the doctors telling my uncle, you can't touch another drop of alcohol. Can't, can't do it. So he, for the first time since he was probably 13 years old, stopped drinking. He's now in his 60s. And he went, I think, a few months. And then the next thing I heard, I heard he was binging, and within a couple months, he was dead. Because all the judgment, all the knowledge was overruled by lust, slapping the screen over and over again. Because the craving has that kind of power. Gilbert? You know, we used to take our grandkids to the zoo all the time, and they were all excited about the monkeys, and I always wondered, how do they catch these things? So I did some research on it, and it was such a simple way to do it. It's like exactly what you're talking about. They have these monkeys out there, and they, what they, the, uh, the hunters do is they'll put these gourds out there, and they'll put sweets inside the gourd. And it's only large enough for the hand to go in straight. And the monkeys know it's in there, so they'll grab the sweet and they'll hold on to it, but they can't pull their hand out because they don't want to let go. And the hunters see that, and they start walking up to them. They don't rush them or anything. They just take their time walking because even though the monkey 
sees the hunter coming. He knows he's going to get caught. He can't let go of that sweet to get away. All he's got to do is let go, pull out his hand, and he's gone. But he can't do that because the craving inside is so deep that he captures himself. He just grabs it and won't let go. How many I thought that was fascinating. How many people are at Fiesta yesterday driven by that? No, no, I'm not. No. <laughs> wow. You know, God. Hey, see, you know what that's called? That's called a habit. <laughs> How many people were at Fiesta yesterday and they're driven by that? You know what I mean? I'm not going to go this year. <clears throat> I'm not going. I'm going to save some money. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, you know, and, and, and there they are. I mean, this, it's, it's habitual. I've, I've pastored this in the city for a long, long time, and I see how people change at fiesta times. I've seen people that were in church all year, and all of a sudden, fiesta is coming up. Next thing you know, they're offended, or, you know, all this stuff. And what it is is this craving to get back out there. And, uh, you know, a lot of parents, you know, what they, uh, you know years ago, when the carnival used to be out on the, on, the, on, the, on the west side of the downtown. And I mean, the, from the earliest days, these people would go as little kids into Fiesta and they'd get that association, which isn't wrong, carnivals aren't wrong. But what happens is they've been doing Fiesta since 1836. And, uh, and so, you know, then they get to be teenagers and it's no longer the thrill of the ride. Now it's, it's, it's the, you know, other things. And so by the time those folks are 40 years old, there are very powerful impulses in them. Did you hear the story of the people that just quit their jobs or go get thousands of dollars in debt? You say, why would anybody do it? Why would somebody go and borrow money from uh, 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 loanshark.com and uh, or, you know, do this? And, well, these are very powerful impulses now that overrule all good judgment, and like the monkey, they're slapping the screen. Or I told you about the mouse on his way to get the sugar water, getting electrocuted all the way. Because that's the power of a craving. Hey, I got Bridget and Brett. I've been Julio the monkey. Um, They... um, they put this restaurant um, on the way home to my house. <laughs> and um, I know in my heart I need to save for this, or Patrick's got this tournament, it's going to cost us this much. And so I'm putting money aside, I'm saving, I don't, you know. But it's funny because they were having, you know, the, the church was doing a lot of teen things for a while where fr- our Friday nights were free. So I would pick up a really good book, or, and then I would stop by Thai Hut <laughs> and go to Thai Hut get my food, get my book, and I'm all happy. And, it, and then the Friday night stopped, and it's so funny because now when I pass that restaurant, I'm thinking, I got to stop, you know what I mean? Even though I, and, and I've seen this with my friends too, oh, they're praying, get, you know, pray for me to get out of debt. But they put up their favorite restaurant on 151, and they're, all the, they're there all the time. They know they shouldn't go. They know they don't have the money. But Julio the monkey's waiting for them there, and it's just there, and you want, you know that it's wrong, but your stomach is saying, hey, there it is. And your pleasure impulses are going, yes, there it is. You know you shouldn't. You can't afford it. But there it is, and you stop anyway. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the drama in many people's lives. It's, it's that right there, whether it's that or Domino's Pizza. Um, man, okay, uh, Patrick. 
Um, one of the things I've noticed, especially about lust and cravings, just reading the news and different things, is first it usually starts off very innocently, meaning like in the uh, you you start off saying it won't be that bad, you know, uh, whether it's drugs, that's alcohol, or anything else. In your mind, you say, you know, if I just do a little bit, it, it won't be that bad. But the more and more you do it, the more and more you have to justify yourself. So whether it's eating out uh, extensively when you're in debt, you say, you know what, I got, I got this money in, in, the, in the bank. Even though you know it should go to your debt, you're able to justify it because you do have the money. Or whether it's drugs, you're, you're able to somehow justify it or, or it's something else. And, um, and the more you justify it, the easier it is to continue uh, feeding that craving. That's exactly what you're doing. You're feeding the craving. There used to be a good gospel uh, track, I remember, years ago. And the, the first frame is this guy walking and this cute little monkey jumps on his back, you know. Oh, wow. And the monkey's entertaining, has a big smile, and he just kind of sits on his shoulder. And then the next frame, it's slightly bigger. And by the last frame, it's a gorilla. And he's totally oppressed. And, and that's exactly it. You f- you feed a habit. You know, that's why when society who is wrestling with drug addiction, heroin addiction, and when you have, you know, if you've ever dealt with drug addiction, uh, methamphetamine freaks, uh, heroin addicts, and you see these people, their, their answer is, well, let's just give them another drug, methadone. And so this is, we're going to do, and what they do is they, they feed this in them. We've had, we've worked with methadone addicts, or heroin addicts and methadone, they come, and we've had them come, and can we leave the methadone at your house? And when we were young pastors years ago, uh, there was a girl that started coming, and she would ask my wife, can I leave my methadone at your house? And we were like, okay. And, and then you realize that's the craziest thing in the world, because her and all of her drug friends, man, they're just going to go break in your house. Uh, but but uh, society grappling with this. All that they're trying to do to liberate people from this terrible, terrible addiction. So uh, let's, let's move on. I see your hands, but we got to move on here. Here's the truth about lust and craving is that you can never satisfy a craving. That's the thing. You know, we, 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 we want to do this, but people are never satisfied by indulging it. You think, you know what, I'm going to... You know, I'm driving down the road, and man, I'm hungry, and, and you're passing by, uh, 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 you know, I don't know what to say here, which one? Taqueria Jalisco, you know, whatever, and, uh, and, uh, and, and it's like, I'm going to go in, and then, you, you know, you leave there, but you're not satisfied. Proverbs 27, 20. full, so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. If you're driven by craving, whatever you do to try to fill that craving, you're feeding an animal that's never full. It's never satisfied. Okay? Whether you, you take that into any template you want. Okay? If you're driven because you, when you get upset or you get anxious, you got to shop. How many know that's why they build these big, beautiful malls and uh, outlets to doors for the fact that people, and they go and shop, and, they, and you feel this high from shopping when you come home, 
and you don't even like the stuff. Numbers, uh, or John 4, 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He says to this woman, she's about to drink from the well, woman, you drink this water, you'll thirst again. Five husbands, shacking up with number six, drink from this water, you'll thirst again. Okay? You, you can do this over and over again, and this is not going to satisfy Numbers 11, verse 18 through 20. Then now listen to this. This is a very powerful picture. Remember, these people, the story begins with them being dissatisfied with the manna, craving the old food from, uh, from Egypt. So go ahead. Then you shall say to the people, concentrate yourself for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come up out of Egypt? So what a picture how lust or craving operates. These people say, we want this, we want uh, this food, and God says, all right, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to give it to you. He says, but when I give it to you, you're not going to just eat it one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days for a whole month until it comes out your noses. You are sick of it. That is exactly how it happens. Okay. There is a self-loathing and a self-hatred that comes to people who yield and feed their addictions. People see the thing is, people think, "Well, I'm going to do this one day. That's it, just one day." Every heroin addict, every drug addict, every alcoholic, every porn freak starts out by saying, "No, no, I'm, I'm just, I have control of this. One day." Okay, two days or, or the thing is, I'm just going to do this for a while. I've had people tell me that. You know what? I'm just going to go for this for a while, but then I'm going to stop. And they don't realize that it's a one day turns into two days, turns into five days, turns into 10, 10 days, turns into 20 days until you are sick of it and it comes out your nose. Or in other words, they were going to indulge themselves, and then they were going to hate what they were indulging themselves in, but they can't stop. They're going to become physically ill, but they can't stop. Even though they don't want to do it now, they're doing it. Kim? Over here. Um, you know, as you're going through this, you know, you get such a grasp of the depth of despair that people who go through these bad habits get to, you know, whether it's like you're saying, alcohol, drugs, food, um, porn, or just whatever, you know, the depth of it is. And, you know, the contrast is, is you know, it really is, it's the power of the gospel because how many of us in our own lives were at one of those points? And when you come in and, and you're sick of it, it reminds me of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son just wants to go out. He wants to have a good time. And you know what? He just, give me my inheritance now. I can't wait. 
you know, and he, he gives her that craving and he blows it all, he finds himself in the pig slop and he comes to himself. And that's the same thing, you know, that happens with people who, you know, it doesn't take you long to get sick of your sin. It, it really doesn't, but you just don't have a way to get out. And, you know, that really is just the power of the gospel. You know, when we go and we witness to somebody, for us it becomes routine. Jesus can set you free. But, no, Jesus can set you free. You don't have to live like this. And the power of just the, you know, of the bondage breaking of, you know, this, of that, that, that this can be broken in your life. Amen. Okay, Ecclesiastes 2, 9 through 11. Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities, which, which I was, had ex exverted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. He says, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. And then he says, then I looked at all the works of man's had done on the, and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Oh, he said, you know what? I indulged my whims, my fancies. But in the end, he says, it was grasping the wind. It didn't satisfy. Feeding a craving never satisfies. Ecclesiastes 5.10. 510? Yeah. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. You know, there are a lot of miserable rich people in the world, folks. Do not think, well, money will make you happy. There are a lot of miserable people. He who... Uh, 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 Love silver will not be satisfied with silver. Okay? Money doesn't satisfy. Money doesn't fulfill. And people are convinced absolutely that that's what it is, but it doesn't. Isaiah 55, 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Here's the prophet speaking. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? How many know that is, that would be a tremendous scripture for Fiesta. Why are you spending so much money out here? You know, uh, the, 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 I don't know how much a gordita costs nowadays. Sixth? Everybody's embarrassed to say, you know, because you went and spent, bought one, you know. About six bucks. I don't know how much a cup of beer was. If you know that, then we need to pray for you, you know. <laughs> but a cup of beer, I don't know. But in other words, it's a lot. And they're ripping people off, folks. The right to stand out in the hot sun, they're ripping them off. Why are you spending money for bread that doesn't satisfy? It is filled with self-loathing. You know what bulimia is? Bulimia? You know what it is. Bulimia is when people gorge themselves and then 
vomit. Hate to put that on you so early in the morning, but but you know what I'm talking about. They're, they're driven, craving, so overwhelming. They just go for it, stuff themselves. I've had people tell me they could knock down a gallon of bluebell. Amen. Tell me like what? Is that bad? <laughs> And then be overwhelmed with self-loathing, guilt, and shame, and then they just force themselves to vomit it. It's a horrible pattern of in, in craving, and then, then you know they can pray, no, 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 no. But the craving, craving, so powerful, followed by all the recrimination, is totally be made miserable. I'd better for it just by feeding it. Jeremy? I was thinking um, about what, uh, when I was growing I grew up in the fellowship, so one of the things that um, you would hear sometimes joked about is what we affectionately called Christian sins. And, uh, and these are the habits that we don't always like to focus on because they can be offensive if, uh, if you choose to take it that way. Um, but the Bible talks multiple times, and in fact, um, Solomon refers to it many times, the sluggard and the glutton. And this is, um, sometimes we, we put it aside because, well, you're not exhibiting the signs, but there's a, um, a guy at work that comes to mind, and I'm responsible for accountability of several sailors below me, and, uh, and there's this one sailor who always had a problem. He'd always show up to work late, and he was always borderline on, um, in the military, you have your, your physical standards that you have to live up to. And the first step of that is your weight. If you fail your weight, they won't even have you run push-ups, sit-ups. If you fail your weight, then that's a failure for your PT test. And, uh, and this particular sailor always shows up late for work, and he would always be that close to failing his PT test. And, um, and so when I confronted him about it, 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 it was just what we're talking about. He's aware, this guy can cite you and quote to you and, and run off all these different... Um, all these different food facts and what foods are good for you, what foods are bad for you, what foods cause you to retain weight, what foods cause you to, to feel a certain way emotionally, like all these food facts, yet I, there's many of us around him that can't give him those facts, and he's the one that has this problem. He has the knowledge, he's, he understands that what he's taking in is causing an issue that could end up costing him a career, and yet he continues to do it. He shows up late because... He insists on playing these video games until 2, 3 a.m., but he still wants his sleep. And so his daily pattern, it turned out, was he would get off work, go home, and pass out from just being awake. Uh, and he'd sleep till about 8 p.m. He'd get up, play video games till about 4 a.m., fall asleep, and wake up late. And whenever he woke up, that's when he showed up to work. And so, again, something that got him in repeat trouble. And, uh, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians do the same thing, maybe not to such an extreme. Uh, maybe it's not because we're staying up late uh, to play video games, or maybe we're not staying up late at all. But how many times are we sleeping in when we know there's a place where we need to be, whether it's prayer in the morning or, or even at work? Yet lateness is a—tardiness is something that we accept because— 
we're Christians. We're, we're living righteously. This is the one thing that we're doing. We don't see it as a sin, but the Bible calls that a sluggard, someone who can't drag their face off the pillow to get where they need to be in the morning. And then that glutton, even if you're not exhibiting the signs, you may not be immensely obese, but if you still refuse to say, okay, I've had enough, I've, I'm full, I am satisfied, that the Bible doesn't, that multiple times, again, it's referred to, and it's not something that is just easy to stop because it's this, it's the craving. Okay, um, let me close here. And uh, I want to uh, leave you with this stop before we uh, stop here so I can encourage you. Because the Bible, again, understands that craving is, is neutral. Okay, we, we, in other words, this is how God created us. All right, things are, there are things put in the human personality for a reason, all right? Uh, 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 men would not reproduce had not God placed in men certain natural desires, okay? So we understand, and so the issue here, and, and in the word of God, we find that the plan is, oh, what a wonderful thing if I want to do what is right. And I, won't just, I don't just do what is right because intellectually I understand I need to do what is right. I do right only because I fear the consequences of not doing what is right. But that I actually do what is right because I want to do what is right. And I actually derive pleasure or reward from having done what I'm supposed to do. See, real authentic Christianity is not rules and regulations. See, I know that there are a lot of Christians who are frustrated because their heart and their mind are at war with each other. Their mind says, the Bible is true. I know it's true. Uh, I'm going to die one day. I'm going to stand before Almighty God. I'm going to answer for my life. And so I need to be where I'm going to be around positive people and a good environment to keep me. But yet their heart longs for Egypt. Garlic and onion. And they, they, they long for that. And, and it's constantly pulling on them. Okay? And, and you have to be really careful about this. That's why media is a propaganda machine. They constantly take the best face of sin and sell it to you. I think Pastor Glock, uh, uh, when he preached yesterday, mentioned how in Holland, the fifth Marlboro man died of lung cancer in Holland. And how, you know, the cigarette ads don't show the man lying in a hospital room, shriveled up, covered in tubes, about to die, right? They show the rugged, uh, uh, independent man out on the horizon, uh, you know, with the cattle uh, and smoking a cigarette, and, and, and they give you that image because it's propaganda. And people are getting propagandized by the media all the time in these images, these leeks and onions and garlic. And so people develop this craving. And so your, your cravings are for that, but your mind says, no, no, no. And you're at war with each other. Christianity is supposed to be where God, you actually want what is right. You're not forcing yourself towards what is right. Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2. As the heart panteth after the water broke, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts 
thirsteth for God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When, I, when shall I come and appear before God? What, what a powerful picture. Because what it's saying there is it's taking the instinct of a, of a deer that has to have water. That has to have water. And so he takes this image where there is a longing and I just have to have water. I have to stick my tongue in. I have to have that. And it's driving him. And he says, oh, that my soul felt that way about the presence of God. And I mean, it's in me. It's driving me. I want this more than anything else. This is, this is a craving. I need to be in God's presence. I need to be in presence. I have to. And I don't know. A revival, you know. I mean, it's going to be busy. And, I, you know. I mean, oh, we can get that way. It's easy to lose that. And, 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 so, okay, and, and we press the faithfulness button. I'm going to be there. I need to be there. I need to be faithful. And, and, and that's good. And I don't, again, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, uh, say there's a place for that. Wouldn't it be almost so much better to long for it? Okay. In your marriage, to long for that, to be excited about that, and not just a duty. You know, you do the word, you do a, want to do a word study, do a word study in the word duty in the King James Bible. And you'll find that I, most of the, there's only, I think, seven references. And five, four or five of those seven have to do with marriage, by the way. So there is a duty to marriage. But it's so much better when it's just craving. When it's craving. When there's longing. And he says, I want my, oh, that my soul would long after this. That this is, this is it. I need to be in church. Okay, I'd get off work, new convert, run down the freeway and hitchhike to get to church. Church has already been on for a while. I knew I'd get there late. I wanted to be there. Now, I don't recommend you do that anymore. But back then, that was the way we did things. And, uh, and uh, witnessed somebody all the way, they dropped me off, and then I would walk the rest of the way. I wanted, I wanted to be there. It was in me. And many of you could share that same testimony. You know what? I didn't have to. I had every reason not to. I could make up any excuse. But I, I, it's not, it's, I want to do this. Teenagers get saved. And like, I want to go to church. And parents are like, let me fill your head, mijito. You know, and, uh, and I'm really worried about my son because he wants to go to church all the time. Parents get really nervous about stuff like that. What, what, there's a hunger here now. And there was never a church, and you, you have to go and all that stuff. One of the great challenges when I was a new convert was being so excited to be in church. I was 16. You saw church, probably about 250 people at the time, mainly young adults. I was younger than most. And there were very few kids. Church was only five years old, so you didn't exactly have a group of church kids. But there were a three or four kids my age were only there because their parents had gotten saved and they'd been there a couple, two or three years. And uh, immediate conflict because, I mean, I'm there and I remember one day being in my hands lifted and I'm 
worshiping God and I'm praising God. And when I open my eyes, there, there, there's like three of them sitting in front of me over to the, and they're looking at me laughing. I mean, I'd only been saved a few weeks and wanting to make me self-conscious again. I mean, that's what I lived. I was in high school. I, you know, we, high school kids live in the world of self-consciousness. And I was finally in a place with a bunch of Christians and everybody else worshiping God. And I'm just, and all of a sudden, here's this little group who didn't want to be there. They knew nothing about this. Craving. Church again? Matthew 5 or 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You do right because you hunger to do right. Versus because you have to do right. I mean, it's one thing to say, all right, I have this moral code I live by. And all right, by golly, I'm going to strap myself in and put on the seatbelt and put on my crash helmet. And here we go. And I'm going to do right. And I rebuke you. And I come against you. And I rebuke you. And, and yes, you need to do that. What a powerful thing just to want to do right. Hunger for it. How many plan on eating today? You're going to get hungry in a little while. You're going to be hungry. You know what I mean? And you're going to want to eat. Hunger for that, for righteousness, Jesus said. Thirst for it. I mean, that's in you. You want that. It's inside of you. You know what? I, I want to do right. I hunger for it to do the right thing. That's what, that's what he was promised. That's what conversion is. Conversion is when that person wants that. doesn't mean you don't have to deal with an old nature, but something in you says, I want to be right. You know why we give altar calls at the end of service? People come forward. If you think, wow, man, there are a lot of people with problems around here. Look at all those other people. No, no, they're people that are hungering for righteousness. That's what it is. Okay, I got to stop right here. The Lord bless you.